When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Best Hang Podcast featuring Max Kerman, Shane Cunningham, and I am Mike Bierman. Welcome to the Best Hang Podcast. I'm Mike. We got Max. We got Shane. And unlike our last couple pods, we are back to the Zoom setup, which is nice. It's good. I mean, Shane's at home. I see Max is at home. I'm actually in the office. But uh, but guys, how's it going? How you feeling? What's up? It's going great. Um, just before we started rolling, I cut you off, Mike, because it's something actually I wanted to talk to you about. Oh. Because um, oh. you started this story. And... So, you know, before I get to Shane, are you doing okay? I didn't even let you say anything. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love when, but sometimes when that happens where then you'll bring Shane in, he does this, always does this good bit where instead of like elaborating on it, he just goes, I'm good. And then, I'm you good. know what I mean? Which is always very <laughs> well, funny. Everyone else does the perfunctory. How are you? And it's, oh, good. And it's kind of a nicety to start. I don't think it's when the question's asked, it always needs an elaboration. If I had something, I would, but since I don't, mm. I can't. Actually, you know what I will say is that one of my favorite things about some podcasts is they don't even do the perfunctory. Hey, how's it going? Everyone doing okay? Uh, yeah, good. Everyone have a good, like they're as if they're like shaking hands on the podcast. Um, there's a podcast. Yeah, they have an agenda, Max. They, they know where they're going. I'm, I'm trying to get something going. I'm like rubbing sticks together here to start a fire. You know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, that, that's true. There's a good podcast called like Bad Takes or something like that with Matt Iglesias. And literally, it's just like, I'm so-and-so, I'm so-and-so, and then there's like, boom, right into it. And I'm just so grateful for it. So, listeners, if we dilly-dally too much off the top, you let us know, and we'll, and we'll get right to the good stuff faster. And and I'll get right to the good stuff right now. Mike, you were talking about um, this Paul McCartney story with John Lennon. Don't describe it. I cut you off because I want to save it for the pod. Oh. What is it? I'm just one of my, one of my great joys in life is something random will happen. Maybe I'll hear like a, a song on the radio, like something, some random band from the eighties or something. And then the wiki deep dive just brings me so much joy. I love reading these, these things, you know, it's like you kind of get into what it was like then. Anyway, long story long, say, say, say is a song by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson from the early eighties. And he sort of Michael Jackson famously, if anyone doesn't know the story, him and Paul were hanging out. I don't know if it was on set of the music video or whatever. And Michael had asked Paul for some like business advice. And Paul said, well, all the, mu- all the money in music is in publishing. That's the way to do it. And then Paul explained how he had bought a bunch of publishing and he made millions of dollars every year off of all these other people's songs. So Michael Jackson laughed. He goes, ha I'm going to buy your songs, like the Beatles songs. And McCartney goes, oh, you, you're a good one. And then, you know, <laughs> one thing led to another and the, the sale of this thing, this company called Northern Songs 
songs came up and Michael Jackson actually outbid McCartney and, and bought the Beatles songs. It's a very famous, infamous story. You can read about it. But I was more interested in the actual company that Lennon and McCartney started mm. in 1962, which was Northern Songs, which their manager, Brian Epstein, had started. And basically, they sort of forever had simmered at signing this shitty deal when they were 21 years old in the back alleyway of somewhere in Liverpool. And there's so many twists and turns, but other parts of the company get bought. There's this guy, Dick James, that like Paul and John like despise. And then I guess at some point they almost got back because they didn't even have the number one. They don't have the most shares in their own companies. Lennon McCartney, the greatest pop songwriting duo, you know, in history of, of music. And Ooh. they they didn't even own most of their own music uh, from a percentage standpoint. But I laughed at this one comment because essentially they were, they were kind of trying to pull this move where some people owned little bits of the company. So they were trying to, at some point in like late sixties or seventies, buy those little bits back. They're like, Hey, we're the Beatles. These business guys might want to sell me like a 4% here, 3% there, whatever. Uh, but then Lennon, I guess said in the paper, <laughs> he goes, I'm tired of getting fucked about by these fat businessmen sitting in their arses in the city. <laughs> and then all those guys were basically like, yeah, we don't want to sell you back our small percentages. Oh, anyway, yeah. so he, he Ringo the deal. And, they gave Ringo and George, they both had like one percent each in Northern songs, but then Ringo and George both started their own companies. Anyway, mm. it, I, I just deep dove the, the business side of it and yeah. it led to a lot of acrimony for the music. This is like one of my great pleasures, just like sitting on a train okay. and reading these Th things. This is why I bring it up because I find great comfort in the Beatles. It's like, and I think a lot of people probably do. It's like, you know, if you're stressed out, you put on a Beatles thing. And also there's like the discovery of the Beatles history and reading the books or watching the documentaries or the movies. Like there's just like so much fun stuff there. And a lot of times it's like retreading things that I already know, but you just kind of remind yourself of like, Oh yeah, 1966, they did this or 1979. Or this, yeah. is, this is what happens. Anyway, what I love about you, Mike, is that like, I think I'm sort of Beatles obsessive. This dude will send me a text message in the middle of the afternoon on a Wednesday <laughs> or like, you know, Sunday at 10 PM. He'd be like, Hey, came across this really interesting. And it's a group chat with me, you and your brother and i'm just thinking and it's like you do it so often it is it's just, it's just like you're on a never-ending quest for more beatles factoids and i just and i just laugh and i just think about what it is about it for you that makes you just endlessly curious about it because it's it is like fucking hilarious that it's just like you're it, it never ends with you <laughs> like well, no what, there's, like there's what is it about it? how do you describe it what is it about the Beatles? Well, one, obviously I have the same thing that everyone had. You love them when you're a kid. But I think the thing I love about them is I see so many, like they're four guys that are like legitimately friends. You know, they started this thing when they were like teenagers, like John, Paul and George. And then it like, it grew and it became like a business thing, but they're still making creative stuff, but there's like love there. And then obviously they, they accomplished more music than anybody sort of in the history of popular music. But I just, I'm so fascinated by the interpersonal dynamics, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I was just listening to this thing called like a, a hoot and a, a sniff, which is like this, this bootleg where Paul McCartney visits John Lennon in 1976 at this house he's living at or 75 with like Stevie Wonder on keys, Paul on drums, John on guitar. And it's 25 minutes of jamming and everybody's on drugs, but it's such a fascinating <laughs> historical relic to listen to. And it's like, there's moments anyway, shit. Like there's just so much stuff. It's such a rich sort of of like archive if you're into it but at its core i just love that it's like these guys that grew up together and made creative stuff together and sort of the how they fell apart and how they came back together and the sort of story of how people do grow apart and i guess i i see parallels with like our friends and i've always mm. been interested in doing stuff in groups you know like look the three of us are doing something like when I've been in bands, it's always wanted to be like in a band. I always want to do stuff in groups and I love the camaraderie and friendship of creating together. And I think the Beatles are the ultimate example of that. And the most fascinating to me, that's my Sh answer. Shane, do you have a comfort blankie? Seinfeld. Watching Seinfeld makes me feel wow cozy. Interesting. I think that's the, it's like that for a lot of people. Yeah. It's, I think the Seinfeld's the Beatles of comedy. That's a, that's an interesting quote. I like that. Mm. Do you I not like feel that, that way? Yeah, the the, the yeah, well, ensemble nature of it. Sure. That's interesting. When you say it, yeah, like that, there is something, I, I guess because it, Seinfeld's, even though it's silly to say it feels modern to me, like comedy has like this sort of deep history, right? Like if you go back to like stand-ups from the, the 60s or like people like prior like predate it, but like, and like stuff like Cheers, there was always big sitcoms, but yeah, for, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out if it's our generation, you know, like because Seinfeld is very a 90s thing and there's so much sort of like 
comedy before that. But yeah, maybe they are the Beatles of Does comedy. Does the comedy hold up for, in Seinfeld, oh, would you say? I think for the most part, yeah, remarkably well. And it's huh. our generation. It's also our parents' generation. I think Larry David and mm. Jerry are Lennon and McCartney. Ah, I like this. Indeed. What do you think is better, Curb or Seinfeld? Um, it's tough. Seinfeld is more comforting, I think. Curb might mm-hmm. have higher highs. Seinfeld's just consistent. Well, here's the other question. You could argue that Larry's been better on his own than Jerry has. You know, yeah. the old, like, who, who had, the, who had, like, it's almost like, uh, yeah, there, there's a fascinating sort of rewriting of history there because it's like, obviously, J- Jerry's like this sort of uh, d- beloved, epic, sort of legendary stand-up, but as like a guy that creates movies or shows and stuff like that, what's his real track record? You know, what is it, Comedians and Cars? Whereas Larry sort of created this show that might, maybe it's not on par with Seinfeld, but it is in its own right, this massive, massive sort of cultural uh, success. Who is better on their own, Lennon or McCartney? That's where I was kind of going. I mean-, I mean- McCartney's McCartney did more. Ex- yeah. He sold more. Wings was like, Wings was one of the biggest bands of the seventies. There was like an old joke mm-hmm. that it's like, oh, did you know Paul McCartney was in a band before Wings? Like that was actually like a thing, you know. So it was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I think commercially huge, and then obviously John Lennon being murdered changed people's perceptions that happened before any of us were born so it's hard for us to view john lennon in any sort of contemporary way like was he considered the least success? like george harrison i think had the biggest selling record single record with all things must pass so it's just fascinating I, we can't view lennon as anything other than a martyr and like a saint but i think mm-hmm. people in the moment maybe didn't see him like that so and you know you can tell paul always has like a little bit of weirdness about that where he's like oh of course like john's a fucking saint but he's still just like the asshole i made songs with when i was 20 you know but i can never say that what do you Which think he said in that 1986 interview I sent to you, Max? Yeah, that's right. That, that is cool. It's, yeah, it's like a, like basically a podcast chat. And I, I like that get out of jail it, free of like, I could never say he's an asshole because he's like, but you're saying it, you know, <laughs> you're saying it. Yes, totally. Totally. You know, it, in music, obviously I think most people just like put the Beatles at the top and there's not even really a question about it. And even people who don't even like the Beatles, like, yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. They're, they're number one in comedy. I was having this conversation um, because Chris Rock and Chappelle tore together. And I was like, Oh, who closes that? Because in my mind, Chris Rock is like sort of the elder statesman of the two. And I don't even know if that actually is factually correct. I don't know who's actually older, uh, but like in my mind, he seems to be, would he'd be the one closing? Well, Chris, but Chris yeah. was a superstar as a standup before Chappelle was like, Chris had, what, what was the big, bring the, pain. Oh, bring the, the pain. big special. Was it bring There's the one of them. Uh-huh. In, in the nineties, like, 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 like 90, like six or something that mm-hmm. made rock a superstar standup. Chappelle was, you know, it took a bit for Chappelle, but now Chappelle is probably a bigger standup. Well, than Chappelle Chris. closes. This is what I yeah. learned. Of is course, that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And, uh, I was just wondering like, yeah, in terms of like the comedy rankings, cause it's like, yeah, as you say, who's, who's, uh, more successful or more popular Seinfeld or Larry David. And I probably the, the average Joe uh, would know who Seinfeld is and not necessarily Larry David, but I, but would Larry, and who'd be more considered. Seinfeld, I don't know how much conventional TV matters anymore, but that Seinfeld runs everywhere, somewhere in the world all the time. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing Seinfeld, like if you're in a hotel and you throw on the TV, like there's a good chance you can maybe find some yeah. Seinfeld if you sit there for long enough. So it's like, there's that fame element. You know, the name is probably more famous too than Larry David's. What do you think, Shane? Jerry is, is more known for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what would you say the top, who's like the, the king of comedy right now? Because uh, our friend Bruce Hills at Just for Laugh, he like gave uh, Dave an award at, at the show, at the concert or the stand-up show in Toronto on January 1st. And he was like, you're the king, you're the king. I was like, oh, is Dave the king right now? And does the, are you always the king? Like, is where's like Burr, where's Mulaney? Like, I know we can't talk about Louis C.K. anymore, but like. like I feel like Chappelle's on his way out though, don't you? It, it kind of feels like the last days of Rome with him a bit, mm-hmm. but who the hell knows? It's a long life. What's more, what's kind of interesting to me is it's like, do you remember there was like a stretch there where like, there was kind of like young superstar comedians would sort of show up on this. Like remember when Dane Cook was a thing, you know, mm, and obviously yeah. like, I, I don't know, other comedians didn't really respect stuff, but whatever. The point is he kind of came out and was then doing like Madison Square Garden and all this stuff. Who's like the 26 year old comedian superstar right now? It's like, it's mm. all guys like Burr and Mulaney, like these like lifers, you know? And it's like, I wonder who the, maybe I'm I'm not thinking of someone yeah. right now, but is there like, like remember when Amy Schumer sort of came out, mm-hmm. like shot out of a cannon and it's like, oh, she's the young, new, sort of exciting. If, I don't, is there anyone waiting in the wings right now or sort of percolating? It's like, know, Jared Carmichael had a moment where he came 
Mm. He, he was on the scene for a minute there, but I don't hear many people talking about him anymore. But when you say it's he a just long life, Globes. anything can happen. Yeah. Is there an incident yeah. of someone like Dane Cook having a moment, then going away and then coming back in comedy? Because I can't think of any really off the top of my head. Mm. Not that it hasn't happened. Well, yeah, I was going to make a joke about seeing Pauly Shore at the Chuckle Hut. Uh, <laughs> but I think I don't you know, it's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of weird that Dane didn't like, maybe it speaks to his comedy and I don't really necessarily have like a, an opinion on the quality of his comedy that it's like, he's not it's the, like, you'd think his fans would agree with him, right? He was such a college. Like, I just remember like, I remember when I was going like to the Madison and a young guy like drinking Toronto, like every girl I ran in was like, Dane Cook, Dane Cook. Did you see the Dane Cook special? And I was like, all right. I, I'm excited for, for Mulaney's return mm. because not that he went, he's gone away. He's actually kind of only gotten more popular. You but, love but the shift, Mulaney. I love Mulaney, but the shift in his sort of like public persona, you know, with, with all the rehab and the kid and the marriage and all that stuff. So this kind of speaks to what I, what I think what I gravitate toward in like my entertainment stories, like I kind of love what him and Nick Kroll had, you know, they made this mm. like sort of like Broadway show. Like I love like reading about John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd in that group. And then Bill Murray kind of trying to get in there and them all hating Chevy Chase. Like I just love the human element of mm. these super talented people. That's the most fascinating part to me. Whereas some people are like, I just want to, I just want to hear the song or I just want to hear the comedy, but I just want the work. I'm like, tell me the story. Cause like, I don't know, which is maybe more universal. All right. But anyway, no, totally. And I, and I, my favorite thing too is when you hear about like two really famous people or successful people who's like, Oh, do you know that they know, knew each other in college? It's like, and you don't even associate the two with each other, but they were, they've yeah. actually been friends for a very long time. I think that's really cool. But anyway, boys. Um, oh, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you got somewhere to go for just, no, you know, dilly dallying as you called it, that could have been an alternative name for this pod. But, uh, we, uh, so we talk about the workaholics podcast sometimes, especially those guys. So, so, so those dudes, they have a podcast called this is important Yeah. and there's like a sort of group chat and a lot of you guys listen to it a lot more than me. I sort of, every week something, it's fucking yeah. amazing. But they recently, they were doing a movie at Paramount Plus. Uh, it was like a workaholics movie. Everybody that's sort of a fan of them was very excited. It was announced last week that it, it got shelved, it got canceled. There's a ton of stuff that's in development or was about to go that is getting shelved by streamers just for financial reasons. But this thing was like a month away from shooting, which is crazy because just if people, for listeners, it's like if you're prepping a show like that, like people are hired, like sets are being built, departments are moving, money has been spent. It is people's time is booked. They probably have the next two months booked to shoot the movie. Mm -hmm. All of that goes away. So they, you know, you're, we were very keen to listen to their, their pod and their response to it. And anyway, that's super fascinating. Listen to that if you want to listen to it. But, um, it ended it. Anyway, I listened to that pod and I forgot completely. They, I was listening to another pod and they were talking about dicks uh, being shown <laughs> on camera. And oh, yeah. they were talking about Adam Devine's dick being out in this movie they did for Netflix, who they all mm -hmm. love Netflix now because they're probably trying to sell the workaholics <laughs> movie there, uh, uh, being shown in this movie they have called Game Over Man. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot this movie even came out five years ago. Whatever the fuck came mm -hmm. out. It is the perfect train movie to watch. I've been watching it on the train, which is always yeah, hard I've been because watching I find it this myself laughing. I've been watching Did it this week. Did you really? Yeah. Because yeah. of that pod? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Because I didn't know Adam Devine had pulled out his wiener, mm. uh, but they, there is a gag. Shane, have you seen Game Over, man? I have. I, I can't exactly remember it, but I remember there's one scene involving like someone hiding in a closet or something that I laughed so yeah. hard at. I think it might be the funniest <laughs> scene in movie history. That is Adam Devine's penis is out in the closet. And okay. then the two, the, the yeah. That, the, anyway, there's another scene in this. And this is like, <laughs> this is my type of comedy. I laughed on the train and I'm in the quiet zone. So I'm trying to stifle my laugh, but it's so stupid. So the, the, the three waiters are in the elevator and they're going down to like the first floor where there's like a henchman with a machine gun ready to like blow them away when the, do the elevator doors open. So they're like, they're like, holy shit, we got to get up into the shaft. So they're trying to like boost each other up into it. We've seen this in a million action movies, right? So they're trying to get up, they're trying to get up and then it cuts down to the henchman waiting with the gun and then the elevator opens. It's like ding and it opens and the henchman looks in the elevator and he gets on the inner, uh, on the, the, the walkie talkie goes, Ksh. he's like, they've climbed in the shaft. They could be anywhere now. We got to find them. And then the henchman like runs like to try and, you know, go somewhere else. And then the camera just like the doors on the elevator shut and then the camera pans over to the elevator beside it and the doors open and it's them still trying to get into the fucking roof of the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the perfect sight gag and they're like no one's even down here and it's just like it, i just it's like That's a simple awesome. stupid comedic gag that if i had written that in the writer's room i would just be so proud of it because i just love a stupid like classic type 
get. It's just so good. Yeah. It was interesting because they all have movies with Paramount Plus. And so it, what I like about that podcast too much, uh, so much, is that they don't seem to care about offending people like peers. <laughs> yeah. Like They're always kind of talking shit about other celebrities, like especially Durs. Like I'm sure they, they could say a lot more about the entertainment industry and other actors and stuff. But I'm just always kind of surprised. And like, you know, they're, they're like if they're going to be like critical of like a comedian or something, they'll be like, they'll do it. Or they're like, yeah, that goes okay. Like there's just like a level of honesty that they have, which always kind of blows me away because they're also just like kind of working actors. It's not like they're on like the top of the mountain and have to, you know, not worry about ever getting another gig again. And I feel like on, on this bot, like we're always like, eh, I shouldn't say that because that might offend somebody or I don't want to do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But they're just constant. And so them going after Paramount Plus in the public way, given that they all have shows and movies with Paramount Plus, I thought it was just incredible. Would you, would, Shane, would you do that if, if uh, Bell canceled uh, the, the show? I don't know. I might be relieved in a way. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very scary. It's scarier than I thought it would be to have the prospect of something you've created come out like i don't know i thought there'd be more <laughs> looking forward to it it's an odd <laughs> stop feeling it, really yeah it's like when I, I used to play basketball and uh i was at a triple a level and it was it was so serious and before every game i would just say i don't want to play basketball i hate this i don't like this anymore <laughs> there'd be like yeah. nerves and all this stuff that i don't like feeling so i don't know there it, it's i'm maybe i'm different than most or maybe you can relate but i like every show I would be dreading if I was you, Max, I would, if I heard the crowd, I wouldn't want to go out there. You know what? I do sometimes feel that way. I've had versions of this, uh, that what you're going through right now. First of all, well, the first that comes to mind is like writing a song or working on an album. I'm just like, cause you have this initial burst of excitement with the song, but then mm -hmm. when you have to get in the weeds on it, I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. I was just like, I was really excited about the first, like first part. And now that we're in the editing and the mixing and the, that, I'm just like, just tell me when it's done. Mm. Like, I don't even get like, it's like, I'm excited about the initial idea. I believe in that. Now I don't even know if I like it anymore. Cause it's so fucking convoluted. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, okay, that's not really what I was even trying to do in the first place. It's like, mm. what the fuck? So I, I relate to that a lot. Um, and, but the second part is mm -hmm. when it comes to a shows and this happens kind of all the time on tour, you know, it's like, it'll be like seven o'clock or six or 30 the night before we go on stage, we play at nine o'clock. And I'm always, there's a lot going on in my mind about like, okay, what am I going to say to the crowd? How am I going to make it special? How is this moment going to work? You're just trying to like, this is a lot to take on. And I'll just woken up from a nap, like my pregame nap. And before I'm sort of like caffeinated and like a little, like two drinks in ready to go. But there's that window of getting it from a nap when I'm just feel like rested, but tired at the same time. And I go mm -hmm. to myself, I don't want to play tonight. God damn, this sounds fucking annoying. I hate this. Why <laughs> did I sign up for this shit? Like, fuck yeah. me. Ah, oh, fuck. Like, what am I doing in this profession? Oh God, what a lot of work. And, uh, and then, and then of course, you know, the momentum picks up and you get, you get pumped, but they're like, honestly, every night before the show, there's like a, a 30 minute window at some point in the afternoon where I'm like, why the fuck are we here again? Good Lord. Yeah. yeah. I like what I like comedically, but I'm aware that I'm ashamed of it also. And I'm embarrassed of what I like. <laughs> so the other day I showed my in-laws episode six, just like, it's yeah. like a rough cut, but it's far enough along. And just halfway through, I realized I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Like it's, it wasn't something that they could enjoy. I realized this is a polarizing episode. Yeah. But before I hit play, in my mind, it was um, like a Britney Spears pop song. It was very digestible and everyone could enjoy it. And this was before you had told me how much you disliked episode six, too. <laughs> so all I had heard was just everyone likes episode six episode six is the one that like you know even if you don't like one through five episode six that's the <laughs> one to show and the silence in the room was so deafening <laughs> and i i just wanted like to, i don't know to cancel the show or something 
But like, you know, we're working with Bruce and, and, and Bruce really likes episode six. So I was like, that's maybe a glimmer of hope. But my tummy's so in knots about the whole ordeal. Like ones that I thought I liked, people are telling me they hate. Ones that I thought weren't good, people are telling me are their favorites. It's this roller coaster. By and the at way, some point, nobody has ever, nobody's ever said they hate any of them. Oh, like that word is so, you know what I mean? No, hate is strong, but. I, I know you you got kicked out of the Zoom, but I was just telling a story yeah. of being on a bit of a high on our episode six, which is kind of our superhero epic filming. Yes. And showing my in-laws. And oh, then- sorry. Yeah. So for our, for our listeners, I don't know how to use my fucking AirPods. So I just went to push it back in my ear Cancels. and I got, I, I got disconnected from yeah. the Zoom. So you showed the in-laws. Have they seen all six at this point? No, they haven't. So I avoided gotcha. showing them five because- that is an episode that I thought, uh, this one's just for me. Whereas episode six, which is our superhero epic, I thought this is for the world to see. This is one that's very digestible. This is before mm. Max told me his disdain for it or anyone else had voiced any <laughs> yeah, opinions. Of it. So I was on a high. So anyway, I showed it to my in-laws and Mike, like the silence and the embarrassment mm. I felt. It made me mm. rethink everything. Just not that I disliked it, but just. You should be ashamed of yourself, Shane, for even having the sense of humor. And how dare you sit people down and present it to the world was my prevailing thought at oh, that time. I thought you were like questioning marrying into that family. <laughs> no, no. I, they like, I think kidding. Alex was questioning me doing that. And like, they were like, oh, this is my son-in-law. People are going to see this. You know, and there's a scene, there's like, um, a, I'll call it a lovemaking scene with me mm. and another woman in it. And it just, oh, yeah. to say that I wanted really to crawl out of too. my, yeah, that, that I want, I wanted so to intense. jump out of my skin. It's all lovemaking. It's like, it's like pornographic. Like fucking. Well, come on. <laughs> I'm trying to word it softly. And, but I wanted to crawl out of my skin and just not be in the room. But I also, I couldn't grab the iPad away from them and like petulantly take it away and go home because it would show that I was upset. But it, it, it it's painful. The, this process yeah. is painful at times. And luckily... There is, you know, there's people like Bruce who who appreciate that. And then an episode five, which I thought was more of a swing. You really liked it, Max, and other people liked it because I went into that thinking episode five was solely for me. Mm. But you 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 said it might be your favorite episode yesterday. So. I think I think it's my favorite episode. It's so funny, too. It's like, yeah, when you're working in a creative field, it's like you have your instincts, you have your like baseline like kind of acumen and skill but and you you have a good idea you think of what people will respond to but sometimes it's like the the song that i think that is so obvious and so great and transcendent people go huh okay and then the song that is you know maybe full of a a couple kind of cliche lyrics or maybe a little on the nose or something they go oh that's the one i'm like what the hell like you like that and you don't like this other thing so it's it's, uh, i've been wrong many times as to like what i think will will land i I remember i sent you a song i won't name the artist but it's a very famous artist they just come out with a record in the last like year or two and i sent you a song and i was like oh i like this one i'm like this one you know this one hits me right in the old uh the old heart and max you just wrote back this is (laughs) this the most boring schlocky bullshit i've ever heard in my life and (laughs) it made me laugh because i was like i was like interesting where is it coming from i'm like is he like does he just not like this style of music? Is it like, anyway, it was a very fat, do you know who I'm talking about? Do you remember who the one it? I sent can, you? Can, can, we'll beep it. Who it, was it? It was the, it was the. Okay. <laughs> we'll bleep that, Nathan, because they could be a guest on the pod one day. You know, I've been wrong about uh, another friend of mine um, who, who was like helping a younger act uh, with kind of getting their career going, sent me a song and I, and he sent the thing and I was like, thinking to myself i was like this shit is so <laughs> fucking bad i was like i hate everything about this song i hate the way it like looks and feels and everything about it i was like i don't get it this is like 
a number one trending TikTok song globally. Man, I was so, so just wrong about it. You know, mm-hmm. this is funny. Yeah, It's but, subjective, yeah. man. The mm-hmm. arts are subjective. Being creative yeah. is uh, sometimes being creative, especially putting stuff out into the world, whether it's Shane in a sketch show or Max music or something. It really can be like for as, as, as good. And we've talked about this a lot, Shane, but as good as much as like praise and people saying, oh, I enjoy what you do. Or, I like what you do. It really can be just like an exercise in humility it's just mm-hmm. like it's just like putting yourself out there in any way because it's never the, and also you never remember all of the good things you just remember no. like the silence or mm-hmm. if somebody does have a negative comment it's such a weird sort of dance that we do by choice and yeah i don't know how healthy it is so i will say i think that's one thing that's made me successful though is that i do actually remember the good things i don't really that's one of my like just my my nature is that I hold on to the good stuff and just talk about that a lot. But if someone comes up to you, Max, and says, I love leather jacket, are you just like, shut up? That's obviously a hit. Don't tell me that. <laughs> tell me the one that's not the obvious hit. Yeah, to a degree. I, I am impressed when somebody like gives me a deep cut and, and like from an older record that they really like. I'm like sick. What's a deep listening. cut that really makes you feel good when someone says they like it? Well, it's, it's the ones that like have not got much fanfare so it's like there's a song called round and round which i think is like yeah. our best song ever or something. no i like, love that I, song yeah oh you do yeah it's mm-hmm. very beatly and there's some beetle changes mike i want you to listen to round and round uh okay. when we got this podcast because it's straight beatles and just you know no one really cares about that song uh the choir is another song that i really like for lots of reasons it's, and nobody really cares about that one um I know people don't like hey kids i think it's cool it has like this elton john thing to it <laughs> yeah i just um, like that song yeah yeah, <laughs> my, my brother was like, wasn't my brother like a a, a, a big like no hey kids? Uh, yeah, truth or- he hates that song. <laughs> yeah, bordering on hurtful. It's, it's like okay, Greg, we get it. You don't like it. Something about can, it is pull nost- back the comments. is nostalgic for me in a weird like uh, this annoying cartoon I watched when I was a kid or something. It elicits memories or something that I don't like that song yeah, for some reason. Yeah. See, it's so funny too, because in my mind, I'm like, this is so obviously just Elton John and everyone likes Elton John. Like, what are we even talking about? What's confusing about this? But you're totally right. Now that you've said that, Shane, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that piano part could sound like a kid's piano part in like an annoying show. So totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few of your tracks though, and this this is how everybody sort of like relates to music or shows, but like there's a few from the era, like Hey Kids or like Private School that I don't really like, I can't even consume as their own individual pieces of music because they're so of that time when you were Mm -hmm. living on at 80... A and I was mm-hmm. like, we were just all together all the time, and those yeah. songs were big. And it was like maybe the first time you played Cops Coliseum. And yeah. anyway, the, so those songs just remind me of a time more than I can consume them as individual pieces of music. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, that's that's why it's so important to kind of keep at it and hope that like young people continue to listen to your stuff because I, I literally yesterday I was at a coffee shop and this guy goes, "Oh my god, he's, he's so excited to meet me!" And he was like, "I listened to you." To Michigan left. That was my that was my record when I was in university. I went to McGill. Me and my friends played that record all the time. Book Club is my favorite song. You know, like, but it was because he was in university and it was a pivotal time in his life and he was with his pals all the time. And that's why he liked the song. But like, I don't know, is it better than what we wrote last year? Like, I don't think so. It just hit the person at the right time. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But speaking of something that's not subjective, Mm. um, there was a vote in Hamilton that happened last week. (laughs) We do have an agenda. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you guys heard about... um, this contest to name the snowplow in Hamilton. Shane, did the you hear The thing about this? you won't uh, shut up about, you don't know if we've uh, heard it. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving, you know? Yeah. Um, the the first I heard about this, mm-hmm. yeah, you set it up. You set no, it up, Max. No, 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 you're better at it. Go for it. No, okay, well, the the for our listeners in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, where Shane and I currently live, uh, they, they were rolling out a bunch of new snowplows. And so I guess just to, <laughs> I don't know whose idea this was, the marketing for the city, or whatever, but it was pretty great. They basically said, we want to name the snowplow. Let's do a vote. They did this for a boat, actually, in like London, I think, England, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. But anyway, they did a vote. I, the first I heard of it was Danica, my wife, sent me the thing. She's like, did you see this? This is where it ties into us. Mm. Bunch of names, like Control, Salt, Delete, right? Was that one of Melton them? Melton John, speaking Melton of Melton John. John. But obviously, you know, Hamilton's favorite son, singer of Arkells, Max Kerman, they decided to get him into the voting. So the name that they they'd suggested that you could vote on was uh max kerminator is that correct yeah yeah max kerminator was one you could vote on so danica sends this to me i'm like oh my goodness and then what was one plowy mcplow face or something yeah. which is kind of alluded back to the boat in london anyway so i was like oh this is hilarious or maybe it was in the pod group anyway doesn't matter long story long is i was wondering how you were going to sort of perceive this thing because mm. you weren't aware of it until the vote no. went up so tell us from your perspective what you're thinking when you see this thing well, I thought it was all very silly, but I, and of course I was honored. I thought my nickname was probably the worst of the 20 nicknames, like <laughs> like on a creative level, that like all of them were better than Max Kerminator, but I was like, oh, whatever. And you know, it's the thing I've learned over the years is that like when it comes to any sort of like celebrity fun, it's like it's like this thing got more promotion than us putting out an album. It's like so fucking mm-hmm. stupid how like the thing that you really deeply care about and that is like your your life's work, it's like you and you're trying to think about interesting ways to talk about it so it gets shared and and then you know people you, you might get like five retweets or something and then for this thing it was being shared by every radio station across the country e-talk is doing segments about it like ctv's asking for a quote so it's like i'm like okay <laughs> and like again i i then begin to enjoy it and the other thing which i liked is that my dad was especially excited about it he thought it was the funniest thing and i like it too and it kind of speaks to his character because you know, there's like some families just like when you're a Cunningham, you're a Cunningham. And that means you wear the badge of honor or like when you're a whatever. It's like, you know, some people like talk about their family yeah. lore like that. My dad does not do that. My dad is kind of like would roll his eyes at that kind of thing. So the fact that he was like Kerminator, like Ker- this is fu- this is so great. And this is so funny. And he was encouraging hey, well, me. His his name is on the plow. No, I know, but it's a snow Which plow. Which is great. Like who, it's great, but it's so stupid. It's it's not like, you know, we're naming it like a hospital wing after our family name. or it's, you Don't know what I mean? you discount the value of snow plows in our society, Max, um, and what our taxes pay for. Come on, it's all part of the same machine. Well, yeah, anyway, it's clearly very silly and goofy. Um, but my dad was really encouraging me to hold a campaign party at odds. He's like, he, he's been more invested in this project than literally anything else. He's like, Max, what I think you should do is you should like you know give a speech to your supporters like as if you're like barack obama on election night like you know wear a tie roll up your sleeves thank everybody all the volunteers who are knocking on doors like make it into like a big stupid thing uh and we actually contemplated doing that but we couldn't get around to it um but anyway uh, you know i assumed we'd do well but i didn't think that we'd do as well uh, by the way i'm doing the proverbial you weird. yeah <laughs> you killed. I don't think we no, do as well. was, when you yeah. look at the vote tally it was outrageous mm. you guys you, it was a landslide. 
Yeah, I mean, the third place was like 11, almost 1,200 votes. Second place was like 2,200 votes, 2,800 votes. And then I was 18,000 votes. So you did really demolish the competition. Ask your fans and you have hundreds of thousands of fans and followers. You ask them online to vote. I guess the other names don't have fans either. So that makes sense. True. Yeah. So (laughs) I I wonder, would you have won had you not reached out to your fans? I I still think so. Yeah, probably. But it probably would have been a little tighter. And it might have felt Shane, better, did you vote? too. I did. I voted for Max. Even oh, though I didn't, nice. I didn't think it was the best name, I just really, <laughs> somehow I thought it was going to be close. I didn't know you were going to blow it out of the water. <laughs> I thought maybe, <laughs> I thought, honestly, maybe 100 people will vote on this. I didn't know it was in the thousands voting. So I, I wouldn't have voted if I'd known that it was inconsequential. But yeah, Control Salt Delete, probably the best name. Max Germany, yeah, probably the worst name. But it means the most to the people. <laughs> You represent a lot in Hamilton. Totally. Yeah. And it was, it was cool. They're out on the streets uh, the other day. Someone sent a photo from like their second floor window of, of the Kerminator out and about. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Kerminator out and about. We're going to start saying that for when you party in the city. Oh, the Kerminator's out and about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Though it is funny because uh, the new mayor of Hamilton, Andrew Harvath, uh, she... She tweeted about it, like, oh, congrats to Max Kerman or whatever. And then, of course, anytime a politician tweets about you, you're just going to get idiots in the in the replies being like, how much did this cost our taxpayer? But is this the way we want to be spending our money? I was like, this is a free contest. <laughs> like this, this contest cost literally no money. And also the decals were probably like $500 a piece, like to put it on the back of a thing and something that actually kind of sparked some fun and joy in the city. <laughs> but anyway, you, you, you tread carefully when it comes to real joy. politics. Yeah, that's right. Um, the Arkells are uh, doing some writing this week, um, so we can't stay too long here. But I want to. Did you guys uh, see any of this um, marketing for uh, Skin of a Rink? Uh, this this horror movie uh, that I, I don't think I could watch. And yeah, have you seen? Uh, and what's the other one called? Uh, Megan. Megan's um, the one. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a computer animated horror film. It's yeah. like uh, yeah, it's like it's like horror AI. Remember that movie AI with Haley Joel Osment by Steven Spielberg based mm-hmm. on the Kubrick uh project? Anyway, yes. this is kind of like a anyway, it's 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 the Blumhouse guys, but uh and Allison Williams is in it. The Megan I'm talking about. Like yeah. the, the 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 doll like dances, not doll, like the AI robot. She does like a crazy. Anyway, yes, I've heard of it and then the Skinamarink I've only heard of because Ash put it in the group. That was the mm-hmm. first I'd heard of it. Yeah, we should probably come back to that and like interview that guy because the short story is that, you know, he made a movie for $15,000 and it's already made a bunch of money like back. It's a horror movie that he filmed in his house basically entirely by himself. But uh, it got me thinking about like just movies and like return on art with Megan. You know, it's like they, they made that movie for like $12 million and now it's, you know, it's it's $70 million. I, I, that's probably wrong, but like it's. And then there's big oh, no, movies. I think that movie, that movie will probably make a hundred million bucks. I mean, if like, it feels like word of mouth or whatever is any indication. Like I, I, all I heard about was that fucking movie for two weeks. So I wonder if that will be, you know, uh, reflected in, in the box office, but I think it's gonna make a lot of money. So, but I guess my question is the only movies that can make money these days is like Top Gun and like superhero movies or horror movies, because I saw Babylon and you still need to see it. We need to talk about mm-hmm. it. And I thought it was awesome and really fun and, and it had huge star power, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie. And it does like $4 million at the box office in one weekend. Like is, 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 is this is where we're at with movies? Have you guys thought about this at all when it comes to like how you market anything these days? Tarantino can open a weekend. He can still. Oh yeah. Like once upon a time in Hollywood made a ton of money, but he's probably mm-hmm. one of the only people who can just do that where the director's name is so huge. I think the, I think the big question tends to be like, can a movie like um, The Whale with Brendan Fraser, which is like, you know, a big Oscar movie, like can these sort of mid these indies, these smaller indies make any money at the box? Because in the past you'd have like companies like Miramax or whatever, and they'd release these sort of smaller films or like a film like Three Billboards in Mississippi, right? Mm-hmm. Like pre-pandemic. It's like those movies... I guess the question going forward, which is like whenever you hear these sort of quotes from like Martin Scorsese or any of these guys saying like, oh, all the movies anymore are just what you just said, Max, superhero movies or whatever. These sort of like these low budget horror films. Yeah, I don't know. I I, like I I don't know. Like what's what's considered a success if you make a movie for three million bucks and it makes its money back. Is that a worthwhile sort of venture? Or are you saying like, how can we turn three million bucks into 
60 million bucks, you know, and I don't know if that trick exists anymore just because everything's so fragmented. Like not mm-hmm. everyone's going to be talking about one indie movie and go see it unless it is literally like a lottery type. It's hard to recreate that. You know what I mean? Like even something that we've all been hearing about, like the whale, you know, is like it's building. I don't know what it's going to make. And then something like Babylon, which like you said, is stacked with star power or Amsterdam, mm-hmm. you know, and like that's that's David O. Russell. The the Babylon is Damien Chazelle, who's like a, the Oscar winner. And La La Land was a huge hit. But it's just like, I don't know if people aren't interested. They aren't interested. Like, like, can could you even tell me what Babylon is about? Like the transition, I guess, from from silent films to talkies. Like, is that interesting to like a fucking 19 year old right now? Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit if Brad Pitt's in it. Do you know what I'm saying? And the yeah. reviews being bad don't help. Right now, the reviews get out before the movie does, too. Yeah. So if it stinks, people don't want to watch it. Reviews will keep guys like us away. Like, if, if this movie was stellar or it was getting... Like, we all went and saw... Or not all, but, you know, we saw Triangle of Sadness, you know, because that seemed like an interesting... Maybe that's a good example of, like, this mid-level sort of movie that built through word of mouth or whatever. But, yeah, I don't know the answer. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I don't know. It just kind of bums me out a little bit. Is that because I like people going to the movies, but no one goes to the movies anymore. And I and I like movies as an art form. I like TV shows, of course, but I, I don't know. Um, and I don't like watching movies at home as much. I don't think the, the experience is like nearly as good. So I just want, uh, yeah, I just wonder how you, how you get people to. Do you have the, the attention theater. span to watch a movie at home? Like, can you can you not look at your phone? It's hard. It's really hard. So that, I think it's why I like going to the movies. I'm not allowed to look, look at my phone. Have you seen and the, the, menu and the sensory yet? experience is better. You know what? I did watch that at home actually. And I really liked it. That, yeah. That's a good one. We've all seen it then. This let's is what talk, we can okay. talk yeah. about. Let's talk about okay, the menu. Let's, let's, let's wrap finish it up with our thoughts yeah. on the menu here. Uh, so we've all seen it. It just, it just released on Disney plus a bit ago here in Canada. Um, why don't we start with you, Shane? What were your thoughts? So spoiler alerts ahead, I suppose. Yeah. Um, geez. Well, I was in the theater and I was kind of annoyed for the first 10 minutes because an older woman came in, sat down, then she leaves immediately. Then the volume goes drastically down. I'm like, Whoa. oh, I'm thinking, huh. did she didn't tell the <laughs> one of the people that turned the volume down. And then I, I go out and I complain. So I have to leave. I'm missing part of the movie. And I go, I can barely hear the movie. This is a, a wow. movie about dialogue. Mm-hmm. So... This older woman decided to turn the volume to the 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 entire theater down because the trailers were too loud. The wow. trailers are always going to be louder. Wait, if you're ever going to do that, wait to see what type of movie you're in for. Dialogue heavy movies, you got to have the jack volume. So we were in a bit of a war with the volume. So <laughs> I could go out and ask them to turn it up. I did. And they did. And it was appropriate oh. volume. And I noticed and she gets up. And no, she up. didn't because she knew. Because she's older, too. She probably has a little bit of hearing problems, even though she might have more sensitivity or aggravation to loud mm-hmm. noises. I think she was thankful I did that because once the mm-hmm. movie started, she saw, oh, this is dialogue heavy film. I need to hear what they're saying because nobody could fucking hear. Anyway, once I got over that and I settled in. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was like the movie um, Glass Onion a little bit. It was a bit of a, mm. a, a mystery, like almost like that you had to solve. And I didn't know it was going to be like that. Whereas Glass Onion was kind of purposefully cheesy. This mm. one was like deadly serious and suspenseful and all the suspense worked. Sometimes mm. you try to do that. You, you feel nothing. It doesn't ring true. It was one of the few times I've actually forgot I was watching a movie and I was immersed in it and enjoying it on that level. Wow. But yeah. I, I don't know how to say a lot about the movie without giving too much away because i don't no, want to annoy you, people you can, no we already said spoilers so you can say whatever you want like yeah it's like an it's like an experiential thing for rich people where they go to this island they pay this large sum of money they go to an island the the menu is designed specifically for those people it's been curated it's a one-time only offering so it's kind of like a look into that world and the sort of people that maybe are interested in that they they do that thing like with all of these movies where you have a sort of a wide spectrum of characters you have like these sort of wall street bros you have like a former sort of like famous actor maybe like a an adam sandler type or you know somebody maybe a little less successful and then you have this sort of Nicholas Holt character who's brought this girl on the date who is mm-hmm. the um uh, what's her name 
Oh, and Anya and Joy Taylor Joy. Yeah, yeah. Joy yeah. Taylor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's fan? Like she's fucking. Fan. She's, she's awesome. awesome in everything she is, to be honest. But anyway, so there's sort of she's our entry point. You know, she's sort of the common person because she's there on a date with Nicholas Holt, who's the guy with the money who can afford this experience. You have a food critic that is like one of the best food critics in the world there. So you kind of get to know all of the players. Mm-hmm. To Shane's point, like Glass Onion does this, right? It's like Clue. You you give everybody you paint with broad strokes, and then you settle in. And what will the mystery be as it's revealed? But before that's revealed, meaning like what all this tension is, what it, what do we, you know something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're kind of in this foodie experience. So if you're somebody that's like a foodie or you like those cooking shows, they're bringing out dishes and they're sort of explaining the ingredients and they're kind of doing all. So you're kind of having, like Shane said, this immersive experience where you're like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying the food experience, but there's also this fucking tension and I know there's a mystery mm-hmm. that I don't know what it is. So you're just trying to figure out what the fucking turn is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then the turn comes, which I don't know if we'll talk about it. Yeah. Maybe, so well, we can't a, reveal the that turn. I, I, I thought we feel bad for Ash because Ash is listening to this right oh. now. She hasn't seen it yet. Okay, so, Ash, so, maybe, so yeah, this is <laughs> confusing <laughs> to me then. <laughs> right. Yes, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. What I really liked about it is it, it, the, the social commentary on like pretentious food culture was really funny. Like that was yeah. just consistently great. And um, the other thing is that I find movies lately have a hard time like wrapping up. Like what is sort of the punchline? What is the way mm. to sort of make sense of the entire story? And usually that's where movies fall apart. I, f- I feel like some movies I've seen lately, I'm just like, I love the first 90 minutes and then the last 45 really just kind of like go nowhere. Mm. And you could just tell the director didn't know what to do. This movie is like an hour and 45 minutes, first of all. And I've seen so many fucking movies that are like two and a half hours. Yeah. Three, like Great Babylon length. was like three hours. You know, Tar was three hours. Everything's just way too long. This is an hour and 45 minutes. And all the sort of like observations um, that the director and the film is trying to make when it comes to like the pretentiousness of food and the way people and the seriousness of chefs, but also the assholery of of people that go mm-hmm. to those kind of close places, like was so perfectly summed up and told when it gets to the punchline at the end, yeah. uh, delivered by Anya. And I was like, man, and you could say it was maybe like a little bit on the nose, but I'd rather a movie be a little bit more on the nose and simple than it being messy and abstract uh, or just like kind of ending on a nothing, you know? And mm-hmm. so it was just, it was like one of the few movies I'm like, oh, that was actually a really simple, satisfying end to this movie and Ray Fiennes is fucking awesome in it. Well, what I like too is Ray Fiennes character. He's essentially getting some form of revenge on people. And normally in Mm -hmm. a movie like this, the people who are getting their just desserts, no pun intended, they are such (laughs) so extremely bad. It's like, and you're a pedophile and that's why I'm doing this to you, whatever. And they'll go down the list of people who actually deserve to uh, have consequence. In this, it was just, Ray Fiennes was just petty. Some people deserve more than others. Some people didn't deserve it at all. And it just, it avoided that cliche, which happens so often. Like, oh, he just got the worst people on earth, put them in a room and decided to fuck with them a little bit. This was just, no, he had specific reasons that were personal to him. And these people weren't necessarily evil or deserving Mm -hmm. of this uh, treatment. I also didn't know I was... I didn't know there was something to be unlocked in it. I didn't know there was a way to avoid what Ray Fiennes wanted them to go through. And so Mm -hmm. then like at the very end, I was like, oh, this is like a a riddle almost that could be solved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing that really fucking annoyed me with the film is probably the only thing was Anna Taylor Joy herself. There's a a food scene where she has to eat a burger. Mm -hmm. She fake eats that burger. Probably the worst I've ever seen anyone. So afterwards, I'm looking up like, what is it? Is it that she's a vegan or Mm. she's obviously, um, you know, quite slender? Maybe she didn't want to eat it a bunch. So I did all this research afterwards because I I had to know. So, yes, she's a vegan. So she didn't want to go near the burger. And which but you couldn't still, fake that though. You couldn't get like a fake burger that looked like it. She she needs a call from Brendan Fraser. You know, if, if I she didn't wants. see the whale yet. Is it? No, is there a lot either. of eating in that one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, All right. Yeah. Good movie though. Good movie. Good movie. Good Recommend movie. it. More yeah. hour and forty five minutes uh, movies, please. Uh, Hollywood. Thank you. <laughs> All right. 
Well, that's it. That's all. That's our episode. Yeah, we dilly dallied a bit. That was but, great. Uh, I love this that episode. Felt like a fun one. This you know? is one of my well, favorites. A lot, lately. Of, a lot of stuff going on there. It's the episode um, five right. of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you so though, confused. people, people that listen to this who watch the show now are going to be so keen for episode six. You know, that was a good sell job. Max essentially said there was porn in episode six. Mm-hmm. We're going to be sure. flipping shit around though. I don't know if we can end on that note anymore. It might be episode five now. Episode mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ever evolving. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Nathan Nash for putting it all together. Thank you to Manager Ash, who just does everything great that she does. Uh, that's it. That's all. That's our episode, guys. It was a good hang, maybe. The best. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.